Ah, yes, there is the music, and we are back underway. Loved hearing the Hawaii 5.0 theme for Podcast 50. We're up to 51. I don't want to get in a gauge in DeSoto, an emergency. Uh, the younger audience doesn't <laughs> understand that, but it was a great show for people who are 51 and over. Mr. Craig Button, two huge weekend storylines. Marc-Andre Fleury wins his Minnesota debut. The next day tells TNT he was never going to go to Washington because of a Pittsburgh allegiance. Oh, we just wondered and guessed. He admitted it. As all this is going on, Vegas wins two in a row. Evgeny Dodonov (laughs) is a factor in both games, including the overtime winner. I thought they were done like dinner against Chicago. They win. I still think they're going to miss the playoffs. <laughs> I love when he came back in the room. They gave him a standing ovation. You can't write this stuff, Hollywood. You can't write this stuff, Hollywood, or at least smack it in the side of the head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You know, you think about a trade that got uh, negated because of uh, not 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 complying with the no trade right and then i mean what's amazing to me too steve and in, in the players giving to dan off the standing ovation everybody happy for him right it, it was wonderful right but the, the players don't hold grudges they're not sitting here making trades you know he's a guy that's part of their team right they they, they see a real significant contributor i love when people say oh oh like how is he going to go back there and play well he plays with his teammates you know, that's who he plays with, right? And you know what? Players, in, in, in the overwhelming majority of cases, 99.9, they just want to do their best. And I'll tell you what, you talk about, you talk about rolling, you know, the right day that you at the craps table. That's exactly, because it was the craps, what the Vegas Golden Knights tried to do with the Danoff, right? And then they get lucky at the craps table to use a Vegas line. <laughs> And those four points, I mean, oh. they're already in trouble. Without the four points, they're done. It's, it, it's done. The, they needed those wins. And without going over the standings, depending when you're listening to this and everything else, that, you know, the odds are already against them because Dallas has games in hand. Other teams are winning. They're making it harder. I think sometimes fans don't realize when we're at game 66, 67, 68, yeah, you do have 14 games left. You think you're going 14 and 0, 28? And, and for some teams, they're almost at that point. Like the mathematics have dropped. I mean, Montreal's eliminated. I heard so they're eliminated. Really? They're all <laughs> they were eliminated when a guy named Dominic Ducharme was still behind the bench. Okay. Like, come on right now. So uh, it, it's intriguing. And, and Flurry, I thought the big save was against Line A in overtime. He got it on his shoulder. He's in there. The Wild are rolling. They score another six-on-five goal Sunday, and they win again. So they've given themselves some options. But I thought the intrigue of not wanting to go to Washington, (laughs) uh, and it was probably too far for his family anyway. One of the things Minnesota said, short flight, that once I get settled, the family will come. But that's intrigue because Vegas has a flurry connection. Flurry's in Minnesota. They could play each other if Vegas makes it. I'm telling you, Craig, there there are more balls in the air than the Lotto 649 drum. Listen, you know, Bill Guerin and Marc-Andre Fleury have a kinship as Stanley Cup winning teammates. Certainly when Billy was uh, assistant GM in Pittsburgh and Marc-Andre Fleury was winning Stanley Cups two and three, okay? Oh, it's all nice to talk about the short flight. It had nothing to do with a short flight, okay? It had everything to do with 
Marc-Andre Fleury was not prepared to get emotionally invested with a team that he competed so hard against for so long and had tremendous success playing against with teammates and friends for life, i.e. Chris Letang, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. It's not about a short flight. And Billy Guerin said, hey, Marc-Andre, you come here. Here's one of the benefits. It's just a short flight. That's about kinship. And Marc-Andre Fleury said, I wasn't going anywhere. But he, he went there. He went to help a friend out. You know, if this was, uh, you know, one of those scenarios where you got to call a friend, Billy called a friend. And the friends responded. And Marc-Andre Fleury is a phenomenal uh, person. He's a phenomenal goaltender. He's going into the Hall of Fame. Still has game. And uh, you just pointed out for the Minnesota Wild. This, this gives them a different level. And you know what? He upgrades their goaltending like in, in, in a pretty big way, in a pretty big way. And forget about the numbers. When you're facing Cam Talbot as opposed to Marc-Andre Fleury, the opponents have a different level of fear playing Marc-Andre Fleury than they do Cam Talbot. That's a fact. <laughs> and good for Talbot for playing very well since the trade as well. You talk about calling a friend or helping a friend. So Minnesota – down late, scores again, six on five. They go to overtime. They do win it on a power play. One of the big stories of that game was Dumba's hit on Miko Rantanen. In comes Nate McKinnon. The old clean check fights. Some people think, let's just instigate those guys. McKinnon in this case. Where are we on when you're invested in the team? If we are on the team, Craig, and someone hits you and I come in and fight, you will like it. You will like it. It's, it's, it's part of team building. If you're on Minnesota, you don't like it. If you're a former coach, GM, broadcaster, I think we say, is this necessary, especially if Nate McKinnon breaks his hand. But in the moment, where are you and then me on clean check fights as it relates to what we saw in an emotional playoff game in March? I'm two places. Number one, and I've always said this. I've said that as in management, being with a team, and even as a broadcaster in the media, the players are out on that, on that 200 by 85. If they decide that they need to address something, that's up to them. It's not up to me. I'm not going to tell them what they should or shouldn't do. And keep in mind, too, and you know this, Steve, there's lots of things that occur in the course of a game. There's lots of things that have occurred in previous games. <laughs> then you feel, hey, no, you're not getting away with that this time. Clean hit or no clean hit. So I've always felt that, that like, you know what, it's up to the players there to decide. Is that that old saying, no place to run, no place to hide? <laughs> That's the 200 by 85. That's number one. Number two, I'll tell you what, you know, for the Colorado Avalanche, who are a really, really top-notch team, we know they are. One of the things that I think Nathan McKinnon has to learn is when he, he, he can bubble over, he can boil over. He tries to do too much. He cares so much. He's so passionate. He's so competitive. It works against him come playoff time at different points because now he gets bottled up and now he doesn't be at his best. If I'm an opponent watching this, I'm testing, I'm probing, I'm poking at every turn. Can I get Nathan McKinnon all riled up? Can I get him emotional and get him off his game? That's what I'd be doing. Nate, don't be signaling to other teams what may be your Achilles heel. Showing them the kryptonite. And we've seen it when Nate got a little too ornery at times and tried to hit everything. And then the one hit too much hurt his shoulder. 
which is, I'm not saying it's now chronic, but it's been a problem. His temper, his getting out of control to go with everything else that he does well. So, and I, I know you've written internal essays and discussed ways to say, beat Colorado and how we'll handle Adam Foote or how we'll handle Patrick Waugh. And as, as secretive as those are, and as trivial as other people might think certain things are, there's a way to do things. And I'll use me as an example. If you poke me a few times, I can't turn the other cheek every time. I will then take the dumb penalty, the retaliatory penalty. At best, I'll even it up. And the ref will say, both of you. But then I start to boil. And if I start to yap, comes a two and then a 10 and then a non-factor. And then when the coach says never again, then I'm grounded. And then I lose that edge that I had before. So walking that fine line without pointing the finger at certain players, they already have another guy in that team who has gone way over the line way too many times. You can't have both of those dogs, pit bulls off the leash or there could be some problems. So I'm not saying Minnesota did what they did yesterday, knowing and testing. It's just part of, Craig, has the pro scouting started for the playoffs? I think it started a long time ago to say, <laughs> if we play blank, what goes on? These are the games with the, and if you don't play them, I know all those notes get filed for next year, but some of those notes will come into play this year. And if you want to beat the avalanche, and I'm using them as an example, past or present, it's the game that's not a game because you've played it, Craig, and you know that sport is about so many things, including, I'm pointing to my head, the psychological side. Well, Steve, and, and you talk about past and present, right? Like Bob Ganey always used to tell us as we used to go out and pre-scout opponents, let's find the soft underbelly. Let's find where we can poke and prod and let's find where we can take advantage. He always used to say, don't come back and tell us how great Joe Sackick is. We know. <laughs> don't tell us that Peter Forsberg is a ferocious competitor or that Dominic Hasek is a top-notch goaltender. Tell us what we got to do to beat that team and how, how, what we can do. I'll give you a, I'll tell you a little story. 1998, Ed Belfort was a top-notch goaltender. We all know that. But Eddie had a, Eddie had a temper. Eddie had a, and you know what all the opponents knew? They all knew, let's get to Eddie. Let's get to Eddie. Let's get in his crease. You know, Detroit had Holmstrom and McCarty and LaPointe and all, and they had a game plan. They went right out. We lost that year. And Bob spent some time with Eddie in the off season. And he knew how much Eddie wanted to win. And so you talk about that line, Steve, about walking that line. You don't want to take the competitive fire, but what he appealed to was Eddie's competitive desire to be a Stanley Cup champion. He knew he was on a top-notch team. So what Bob said, you want to be a winner, you want to be a champion. He goes, you're more than capable. But this is something you got to be ready for. And you got to really steal your, your, your mindset for that. And Eddie did. I worry about Jacob Markstrom in Calgary for the same reason. I think he's got a little bit of Ed Bell for him. And I've seen teams try to get after him, you know, and he, he, he engages. Last week's game against San Jose, Calgary had that game in order. And then all of a sudden, Nikola Maloche, he puts the puck into the net. There's a little jab and everything. And then Markstrom capsized. He capsized, <laughs> right? If I'm watching, and remember, you're watching. You talk about pro scouting starting? It started. I'm watching. Okay, let's see if we can get to this Markstrom. We know how good a goalie is. Let's see if we can get to Nathan McKinnon. We know how great. He's a great competitor. But you, what you don't want is your competitiveness to work against you. 
competitive is something to describe the Battle of Alberta for many, many, many years. When the stats came up of two 15-goal games in the 80s, I think back-to-back in 84, not a surprise. As the first period went along and we were at five, it was fun. More fun for us and the Flames than it was the Oilers. I can talk about the hat. To get a hat trick and four points and lose and be dashed for apparently hadn't been done since like Rick Middleton or somebody or John Anderson back in the 1980s when we played three on two trade chances and everything else. I mean, one game does not, um, uh Oh, or uh Oh, make, but there was a lot to take away from the game. It was just fun. It's fun. Goals are fun guys. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. And the Edmonton Oilers for all the strides that they've made and tried to improve their team, you know, foot soldiers, foot soldiers, pawns. They got, Oh, I hope it just doesn't come back to there's no Charlie Huddy, Kevin Lowe, uh, Randy Gregg, Randy Gregg. That that's what it is. I thought to myself, that would help Markstrom and Smith so much. At one point I turned to the people I was watching with and said, this will be a three goalie game for sure. Maybe four depends if the Oilers get a sixth one and they go, here we go. But I'm telling you the buzz of the weekend wrap, so to speak, you know, flurry Vegas, Dodonov, and, and, and that game, which speaks flames how do you want to play want to play rough want to play defense do you want to score you know daryl sutter is an accordion right now he's a master a musician and he can play it any way you want uh susie and i thought and the oilers can't because when it gets too crazy they can't and the open ice that they it was giveaway night it was giveaway night it was like the clown at the circus throwing kids lollipops the oilers <laughs> were throwing lollipops everywhere lollipop 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 and they threw nine of them no actually no i think they threw 25 and it could have been worse or whatever so it was fun craig scoring's fun it is it is i i will say this i mean nine even strength goals i mean the at at, at even strength the, the the oilers were obliterated they were obliterated i mean it wasn't even close you know the previous game they played they were obliterated in that game too and a, a lot of the rationale, well, we didn't have Pooley Army. We didn't have Ryan Nugent Hopkins. We were missing some players. We'll see how this game goes. There is no way that the Edmonton Oilers at five on five can match up against Calgary Flames in any regard. The Calgary Flames put themselves into some problems with the penalties. And, you know, that gives Daryl something to talk about and to deal with with the team, right? But at five on five, <laughs> even strength, the Oilers have no chance against Calgary. None. Zero. And that goaltending, I always say about inconsistent goaltending, you just never know when it's going to rear its ugly head. You just never know. And, you know, whether it be Koskin or whether it be Mike Smith, it doesn't, like, the, it, 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 it could be, you could be, have a great 16-save first period, and then you let in the first two shots in the second. I don't want that goaltending, Steve. I don't want any part of it. I hate it. You're sitting there with, with a hand over an eye. You're hoping during the day, oh, I just hope we get some good goaltending. Don't let a bad one in. They're poorly constructed, Steve. I say this all the time. The Edmonton Oilers just take away one of 97 or 29, and where would they be? They'd be out of the playoffs. These two guys are so great and so magnificent. And I can only imagine as their frustration builds, after their excellence and the way they perform on a nightly basis to look around and go, this is really where we're at. Cause they got to be playing that game going back. Remember Calgary played Friday night. <laughs> Edmonton's waiting there for them and they got obliterated. <laughs> yeah. I, 
what ends up happening in the off season is different. That's, that's why we have the off season and we needed to decompress um, and, and figure out where finally the Oilers, they, they believe in Georgiev, they went and make that move or they believe in Varlamov, but none of those things happen right now. And they'll, and they'll, and they'll probably make it as an example. So yeah. yeah and, and that part is gotta be, if we're talking about it, you don't think in quiet times, Leon and Connor are talking about it, you know, and to live each and every day with of all the 16 teams, the Oilers will be one of the 16 teams to go in the playoffs mm-hmm. with the 16th best goaltending. That, 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 that's what it will be when it happens. And they're going to get in. They're going to get in and they're going to annihilate, I believe, Arizona on Monday night. And Connor will hit 100 and Leon might hit 50 and all that. And that's great. And all that stuff's good. But when you've got those magic moments by those magic players, and then you need four cookies to win these games. Well, you score five and don't even who scores five and doesn't even come close to winning a hockey game. Think about that. You score five and don't even come close. That's how the cookie crumbles, Craig. And that's how it's been crumbling in oil country. I don't want to say for all seven years, but for much of it, sorry for much of it. Well, you say about the off season last off season, there was an opportunity. Ken Holland makes a bet on Mike Smith for two years and Miko Koskinen for another year. There was opportunity last offseason. Guess what? Might be a lost opportunity, and now you got to look to your next opportunity. You lose Adam Larson. I mean, like Adam Larson is the type of defenseman they absolutely need. We know Oscar Clefbaum's hurt. You know, imagine Oscar Clefbaum and Adam Larson on that blue line. And guess what, Steve? They don't have any reasonable facsimiles of those two players. And their goaltending is... It's, it's poor. It's, it's poor because it's so inconsistent. And I, I, I'm just, I'm not going to keep uh, belaboring it. I don't want inconsistent goaltending. It doesn't give you any sense of comfort at any time. Time now for KB on Ice, an inside look at the National Hockey League brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada's sports book. We're looking at Tuesday. March 29th, a great sked and Craig, a foreshadowing schedule on Tuesday nights. I, I don't think there's any question about it. And, and foreshadowing with division playoffs. I mean, Rangers at Pittsburgh, Toronto at Boston, and then potentially what about conference final potential Carolina, at Tampa Bay, Colorado at Calgary. Oh boy. What a menu. Tell you what, I might have one of each. <laughs> okay, start eating, start gobbling here. What what makes sense for this card? I'm going with Boston and Boston versus the Leafs. You know, that's where I'm going. I'm going Tampa Bay. They, they, they're too good. They know what it takes. They need to send a message. Rangers, Pittsburgh. Everybody doubts the Rangers, Steve. I'm not. I can't doubt the Rangers. I'm going with the Rangers in Pittsburgh. I don't care if Pittsburgh put up 11 on Sunday. And the Cal- Calgary Flames, this is a really good team. They toyed with the Oilers on Saturday night. So you're going three Bruins. homes, one road. Bruins, Bolts, Rangers, Flames. I will do the complete opposite, Jerry. <laughs> I will do the complete opposite of you in every one of those bets. This is Head-to-head, mano-a-mano, this is what betting is. The good thing, (laughs) someone is going to make money on one of our bets out there. Um, It's going to be a great one, Craig. It is. 
but you're opposite George. You're not opposite Jerry. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm opposite George, not opposite Jerry. If you want to jump in this, folks, check out all NHL odds, props, and totals at SIA.com. That's SIA.com. And sign up today at sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod to place your bet. Everyone's doing it. Sports Interaction is Canada Sportsbook. Well, here's your chance to try the opposite. Instead of tuna salad and being intimidated by women, chicken salad and going right up to them. Yeah, I should do the opposite. I should. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. <laughs> yes, I will do the opposite. I think there's a song that says something special around here. Put your hands together. Something like that, Craig, because right now, this Roman Yossi March run means so many things. It means we have another 80-point defenseman, only four over the last 20 years. Your buddy Nick Lidstrom, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, and now Roman Yossi. We are going to get another one at least, probably. We might get a 90-point defenseman. We haven't had that since Ray Bork going back to 94, which means Norris. It could mean Hart. Roman Yossi, as we sit here this second, is two points behind Austin Matthews, who needed an empty net goal with 0.4 seconds to go to be two points behind Austin Matthews. The Preds are rolling. I saw your stuff on TSN on sports logic numbers on Yossi and passes and breakouts and the underlying numbers and, and all this types of stuff. So is this a product of the modern game, 6.2 goals per game? Have the Preds put themselves in a upset Minnesota conversation. The month is too good when you're getting multiple points a month and he's had 4.3.4.3 point games, not to be a discussion point. So is this a wave riding the wave off the coast of Australia or is this a Preds game changer that will bode well into the playoffs? Well, the first thing I'm going to say is, is about Nashville. I just heard you start singing a song. I think we need to put music to it. And then like (laughs) you could, you go down to Nashville and be the next big act at the grand old office. They got enough of those. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll tell you who's a great act down in Nashville. And that is Roman Yossi. But what amazes me, Steve, and, and it, and I don't know why it amazes me. Maybe it shouldn't amaze me. I know how dedicated you are and how you watch and you know what's going on around like, but it's like, Roman Yossi just appeared now. People are just like Roman Yossi. Like, you know, he, he won a Norris trophy. You know, he's, he's been one of the best defensemen in the NHL, not this year, but for a number of years. But it's like, oh, do you see what Roman Yossi's doing? It, 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 it was like last year. Kyle Connor showed up in Toronto and people are going, Jesus, Kyle Connor might be an emerging star. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Like, you know. When Aretha Franklin had her seventh straight number one hit, people go, I think this Aretha Franklin might be onto something. <laughs> you know, guess what? Roman Yossi's a great player. He's not a good top nut. He's a great player. He dictates the game. The last player that I saw dictate the game in the manner that he does. You know, I, I, like Brett Burns is, a, I love the way Brett Burns play. But what Yossi gives me is what Eric Carlson gave me. They controlled the game. They they had the game. And, and, and I'm putting Nick Lichter. I'm talking about current players, okay? When I watch Eric Carlson just, he stepped out on the ice. You know, what, what's he going to do that's going to make a difference? That's Roman Yossi now. Skating defensively, offensively, and everything. And Mr. Coolius, I will tell you right now, 
he is absolutely in the Hart Trophy conversation. There is no way he can't be in the Norris, uh, in the Hart Trophy. We know he's in the Norris conversation. And McCarr's having a fan. McCarr is on pace for 30 goals or more. He's on, he'll get his 80 points or 90, right? It's unbelievable when you think about these two defensemen neck and neck in the, in the fight for the Norris Trophy. And both of them should be in the Hart conversation. Both of them. It's it's so fun to watch. It's it's something that it's not unexpected that they play well. It's just when someone plays that well, that well. I say about McDavid, he makes people around him better, better than the other players say around the league. He makes players better, better, and that's what Connor can do, and and that's why it's special. But then when you look around and say, I got Roman Yossi as a defenseman. And it's not as if he's minus 30 and the underlying numbers defensively and he can't check and they walk around him. No, 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 no. And it reminds me of why Drew Doughty, when he went back to the blue line, when his coach, I think, moved him at 12, and Drew said, I like it back here. I can control the game. Like, I can help dictate what happens. The music we play, the songs we listen to, because that's what you can do as a defenseman. And we've seen Drew do that for a long, long time, Olympics International and, and Stanley Cup. So... Roman Yossi's doing it. So when we have a defenseman, or in Chesterkin's case, a goalie that's been that good that without them, their teams would crumble and 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 be out of the playoffs or not be nearly as good as they are, like how high will he go for some people who aren't recognizing Yossi now? He's already on the main point leaderboard. What, if he gets 90, 92? You know, if he passes Kyle Connor and Austin Matthews and some of these other guys from the defense? That's got to be considered. And I think, Craig, and we've this topic is so sexy. I think this year there'll be more votes for the Halder, more players who get heart votes than, than ever before. Because there's there's so many you can make arguments for, whether it's Huberto or it's, uh, Johnny Goodrow, Matthews, McDavid and Dreisaitl. Still, like McDavid starts to pull away from the rest of the field right here. And then Johnny needs five points just to be not seven behind him. I, I find it fascinating. I just like to... I love excellence. I love elites. This is why we watch. Like you, you, you go. You don't go to the theater to watch a bad D production. Like you want to see stars. And when st- we have so many stars who are performing like this, that's why Roman Yossi is such a sexy topic. And that's why this conversation I think is so sexy because we're looking at so many people that can be the elite of the elite. And I, 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 lo- I almost don't want March to end because March has had unbelievable storylines in hockey, Craig. It really has. April will be just as good. And then we'll get to the playoff teams and then may will be all that much better. I really believe that. I think that keep in mind, Steve, and I think we all need to keep this in mind is that over the course, since March of 2020, there, there hasn't been a real order and, and, and consistency to the schedule. Well, I'll tell you what, since the new year, there has been that. And I think that we're seeing players get into the rhythm and get into that level where there's, hey, I can do this. And what what do they say in the playoffs? When you're winning, you want to play every night. When you're losing, you know, you want to try to get back on the horse and correct it, right? When you're going good, you just want to get out there. You just want to play. And that's what the players do. And I think that we, we have that order now. We, we really do. I mean, when you start to think back just over two years ago, like what they've gone through. That, that affects performance. It, it, it's absolutely going to affect performance. So that being said, I, I, I'll be straightforward with you, Steve. I, I, I chuckle to myself when I hear, oh, he's got to be the, 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 the front runner for the uh, Hart Trophy. Well, really? 
Oh, really? We got a month of hockey left and you're already declaring front runners. It's not like when Gretzky was 75 points ahead of everybody else and you're already new. Okay. Steve, ask yourself this question. I know you do all the time as I do. Where would the Rangers be without Shesterkin? Where would the Nashville Predators be without Yossi? Okay. I say this about McDavid and Drysdale. Just take one of them away. Where would the orders be without them? I know how good McCarr is. I know how good Rantanen and Devin Tays. I mean, Devin Tays isn't in the Hart Trophy conversation. Matthews and everything. There is not one front runner for the Hart Trophy. Well, there might be somebody that you, you might be leaning towards. The candidates are Sidney Crosby. Do you see what he's doing in Pittsburgh? He's phenomenal since he returned from his injury. Phenomenal. Like, he'll get votes. I don't, he's not going to, I don't think he'll win. But to suggest that there's a clear front runner, I mean, come on, come on. You know what it is, Steve? It's people that watch a very narrow part of the league. They don't even, they don't even know what other players are doing. Jonathan Huberto, they don't even know what Jonathan Huberto means to the Florida Panthers. I love this talk. Great point by you about normality. Finally, there's normality. There's rarely anyone on a COVID list anymore. They've got the schedule. They've got the travel. They've got the organization. All that stuff we've been as normal right now in March of 2022 as we've been since before March 11th. That's the real truth. So it's like, yep. finally, I can spread my wings and do a whole bunch of things. Um, that's why somebody said to me once, "Is it's all great. All the awards are great. But the one award that they don't vote on or the two, I guess, are the Rockets and the, and the Art Ross. Cause nobody, no bad vote, no writer from <laughs> a certain province can, can screw you on one of those. So uh, I just hope do your homework, do your homework, please. Yeah. I know you're going to yeah. get me on the ballot list eventually. So I appreciate that. Two players who might not be getting the attention they deserve right now because their teams are out of it. They just played the other night. Um, and have really started to find their game. And there's a big connection between the two is Cole Caulfield, whose career was ending under Dominic Ducharme, one in 30, one in 30. Craig, if I played 30 games for Dominic Ducharme, I think I could have got one as well. I would have stuck my button, had somebody shoot it off my button in uh, Petrie uh, before he was really struggling. And then Jack Hughes, who probably entered the league too early, who probably wasn't ready and, and he's just been noticeable right now. We're, we're, we're seeing these two guys, um, and I'm seeing them as well. Caulfield looks like a different guy. Caulfield looks like the guy who finally broke up with his girlfriend and has life again. Uh, and Jack Hughes is just starting to really spread his wings. So what can you tell me about 22 and 86 and what you've seen as the rest of the league is probably watching other teams? I get it, and that makes sense, but they will be factors down the stretch and really <laughs> factors next year, I believe teammates with the u.s national team development program and when they they each broke a, a significant record most points and most goals on the same play they have a great picture out the two of them they split the puck in half because they each couldn't have the puck it was a great picture to celebrate and and when you think about the two of them coming into the program together it was pretty special i always say this the goal scorer needs the playmaker and the playmaker needs the goal scorer Right? Like, you know, because without, without that compliment, you know, the great playmaking doesn't get to be taken advantage of. And if you don't have the playmaker, the great goal scoring did, they had each other. So to your point, I couldn't agree with you more about Jack Hughes. You know, he was the best player and he came into the league. He wasn't physically ready to come into the league. And it wasn't about, could he skate or anything? It was about the rigors and the challenges against bigger, just as good skating defensemen. 
when I watch Jack now, he, he's a game breaker. <laughs> he's a game. He's got a brilliant mind. The mind processes quickly. The feet and the hands are great. And he, he he's another player that I love the way he plays. I've watched Jack forever in a day. The reason I, I the, but Jack doesn't predetermine anything. He doesn't predetermine anything. He plays the game in a free motion. He plays the game. Okay, here's what, here's what the canvas is. Okay, this is what I need to do. I love that. It's not, there's none of this, you know, drop the play. Here's what we're going to do. He, he can do whatever the play dictates. And he, I mean, the New Jersey Devils signed him long-term. I mean, and, you know, I think, I think Jack Hughes, okay, that deal, I think that deal in, in a couple of years' time, is going to look like the Mark Shifley deal in Winnipeg. <laughs> you know, you sign it long-term and you go, how did they get him at that price? <laughs> I, I totally 100% believe that, okay? So, you know, that's how good he is, right? And yeah. How about Mark Shifley just quickly, what he's doing in Winnipeg now? After a rough start, you know, like when I say rough start, he's, not, he's, he's back to a point of game. There he is, just being the star that he is. Anyway, bottom line. Now, Cole Caulfield. <laughs> what I would like you to do, Steve, you just talked about you could have scored one goal off your butt. You need to apply that principle to your uh, Thursday night hockey <laughs> or Wednesday <laughs> night hockey because you're telling me you're getting shut out in the beer league, okay? <laughs> it's, it's, like, you know, I don't know who's coaching you, but, like, you know, you, you better find solutions to that. When you think about Cole Coffee, you think about what he's done under Marty St. Louis, you know, 13 goals over a point a game, dangerous and everything, right? You know, you've heard me say this before, and I'll never stop. The NHL fails players more than players fail on their own. Coaches fail players more than players fail on their own. What you're seeing there in, in, in Montreal is a case of a coach helping a player succeed. I'm not even going to go to the other part. Marty St. Louis understands what Cole Caulfield needs. He understands him as a player. He probably understands him as a, the, in terms of the stature, which would be normal considering the same height. That is coaching. That is, you know, Steve, you, you, you've used this term lots. Coach them up. Coach them up. Coach them up. Isn't that what Marty St. Louis is doing with Cole Caulfield? He's coached them up. He's already worth his weights. Well, he and the rest of the 04 Lightning in gold for what he's brought to Montreal, whether he's there next year or not, because it's about making sure that those green tomatoes start to get red and they do not go crappy or wither away on the vine. And I think that that's what you talked about. People just think because it's the NHL and they are on that team. Everyone gets developed right, coached right, taught right, checked in on right, eat right, all those things. Going way back, Vinny LeCavalier using Tampa Bay, he was eating McDonald's every day until teams started to say, or the Lightning did, we need a meal, we're going to have food at the rink. Like little things, that's not that long ago where you just were on your own. And now... I'm telling you, I know that there's things in place where if something goes wrong at night, you can make a call. If uh, people th think they're getting cute with a couple of players on the road and think these guys are tr trouble, there's protection, there's food, there's flights, there's all the things that all the checks and balances so they can concentrate on the game. And I like that really well. The old ones are really good, right? The American old one group is, is oh. maybe, their, maybe their best. Zegris is in that group. I asked somebody a question on our show when Trevor had a bit more, uh, juice this year, who would you rather have? They took Zegris. I'm going to assume that you would still take Hughes over Zegris, but the 0-1 group for the U.S. is in a really good spot. Where are you on kind of that comparable? And say next year, 82 games, what is Jack Hughes? 82, fill in some of those columns. 
listen, I love Trevor Zegers. I've always loved Trevor Zegers. I love Matt Boldy. I love Spencer Knight. You know, that, that group was, was a phenomenal group. It really was. It's Steve. I saw the very first iteration of the USA national team development program, the, the brainchild of Jimmy Johansson, the late Jimmy Johansson, who had a vision. If you don't have a vision, you're never going to get to reality. Jim, Jimmy had a vision. So I, that was the best group of players that I ever saw. The best iteration of the, and you know what's frightening? They didn't win the gold medal at the U18. They got beat in a shootout by Russia. You know, Yaroslav Askarov beat them. And I said, I never thought that that team could lose. But in a one game, it can happen, right? I love Trevor Zegras. No, I'm taking Jack Hughes. I, I'm taking Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes. Uh, I think Trevor's going to be a, a terrific player. I think Boldy's going to be a terrific player, but I'm taking Jack Hughes. Point of game, Steve. Point of game. That's what I think. I think he's a he he's a and, and as and as some of their younger players just get some some maturity to them and get some you, you know some some reps call it reps. I think they're just going to be that much better. So, you know, uh, I don't know if people are paying attention to what Matt Boldy's doing in Minnesota since he got called up. I mean, it's pretty impressive. Yes, that, that group was phenomenal. But uh, uh, like Jack Hughes to me is, is so good and so dynamic. And as I said. He, he he doesn't predetermine anything. So if he's not predetermining anything and he he's looking, going, okay, this is the point. How, how do you defend against him? He's so quick. He's quick left. He's quick right. He's he's quick in space. He's quick to uh, operate in, in smaller areas, which Jack said was his biggest lesson he had to learn coming when he was in the NHL after his first year. He said, I always could make a quick turn and have space. He goes, when I got to the NHL, I didn't have that same opportunity because I had to learn how to do that. He's learned how to do it. <laughs> 32, 50, 82, at least in a full game season next year. Hopefully he's healthy. He, he has been susceptible to he, as quick as he is. It only takes one check to change the shoulder a moment and everything else. We are seeing some of those guys, not so much Cole Caulfield I've noticed, but there's been Zegras and huge moments where uh, they have been bopped. So even though the game has changed, it only takes one bop uh, in the corner. So hopefully when they get bopped like a weeble wobble um they do get back up again so hopefully that's what happens but it is a sexy topic we still have a couple more sexy topics to talk about before we wrap things up we'll do that now with final thoughts brought to you by ultimate hockey fans not a person or a group of people but a great product for your hockey basement ultimatehockeyfans.com forward slash cool button pod to get our discount ceiling fans put like fixtures paul cohen is your man I'll go first on final thoughts. The intrigue of the enigma that is William Nylander and the way Sheldon Keefe is treating him now, moving him back off the Tavares line, not talking about points or scoring where he's done some good things, but at times there's some McGillney in him, his give a rip meter, Craig, and to see Tavares his energy and passion without him. Huh? Maybe they're not meant to be together Maybe he's a third liner. I'll tell you this much. If it's you, if you're the next GM of the Leafs, if they don't win this year, the first move the new GM will do if the Leafs lose will be to move William Nylander. That's, that's kind of where I think things are at right now. There's so much there. It's a shame almost. I don't know where you view him or what you think, but at times I get coaches frustration and a play. You imagine taking William Nylander's skill and putting in Brandon Hagel putting it in uh, Michael Bunting, putting it in a Theron Fleury saying, you know what, as good as you are, you're, we're going to give you some, some stuff that's God given. 
sometimes I could understand coaches' frustrations. I use the McGillney example. I don't know if you agree with it or not, but sometimes coaches just tisk tisk. That's your defenseman who beats you to the net. That's not about skill. That's about will. I check the will meter with these players at times. Uh, you know, William Nylander is almost a point of game player. He 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 could get thirty goals this year. I wouldn't bet against him getting thirty goals. We just talked about Cole Caulfield. You know what? You know what a coach's job is? It's to recognize what a player's abilities are. Not to look at what a player could be if he was Theo Fleury. You know what? Theo Fleury was Theo Fleury. And Alexander McGillney was Alexander. Uh, Alexander McGillney won a Stanley Cup with the uh, New Jersey Devils. One of the biggest things coaches have to do, in my view, is understand, okay, here's what we have in this player. How do we maximize that player's potential? How do we get that player to understand, okay, I'm going to put you in great positions to be successful with your skill set. Now, there's certain things you need to give to us. And I'm going to give you no better example than Daryl Sutter in Calgary. Oh. Huh. Johnny Goudreau wasn't a Daryl Sutter player. Or so I heard. Repetitively, I heard it, right? And I never heard Daryl once criticize uh, Johnny Goudreau. Never. Never did. There's things he, he, he wanted to work with him on and get him on. Matthew Kachuk last year. They were saying, oh, Matthew Kachuk, you would think he was a Daryl Sutter player. He didn't do so well. There was a big change coming on in Calgary. And part of that change was Daryl not only trying to understand what the players had, but the players also understanding what Daryl needed. It's a two-way street, Steve. It's a two-way street. When coaches start wanting to blame players, I, I, I get frustration. Scotty Bowman never criticized a player publicly, ever. I'd be real careful when I start hearing coaches start criticizing players because it's too easy to do. And to me, I want William Nylander on my team. His contract's under $7 million. Like I said about Goudreau, easy to trade. You want to trade William Nylander? You'll have no problem trading them. Try to find value getting it back. Good luck to you. So you would tell Sheldon Keefe, talk internally, nothing leaks to the media. Well, I mean, it's not about leaking. It's about you. You control what you say. It's not about leaking. He's not leaking any trade secrets. He comes out and he says, oh, yeah, we love it, right? Well, great. Bob Gainey said this to our coaches about our – they go, they're our players. They're our players. And as long as they're our players, we're going to do everything to help our players be the best they can be. I love That's it. That's my philosophy, Steve. It's not changing today, tomorrow, ever. It's what I believe in. And that's what I've seen the best do. I think Sheldon's a good coach. Does he need to learn and be better in certain areas? Like all of us, Steve, every day we need to be better. And every day we can strive to be better. But sorry, I'm not on this William Nylander bashing train. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out down the stretch and into the playoffs, whether his strategy works. We know the Daryl strategy has worked so far. And everything seemed to work for Scotty Bowman when he was behind the bench. The music's coming in. Rampart Station 51 episode is now over. For Craig Button, Bruce Bolton, I'm Steve Coolius. Until next time, be well. <laughs>